victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top four? Stanley, it doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Well, following Australian football over the last six months or so, I've felt a little bit like Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, you know, struggling against the elements, trying to survive. It's been a struggle, an ordeal, and I'm hoping that, you know, we'll all be rewarded with, uh, with something at the end of it. Not necessarily an Oscar, but, you know... Uh, some sort of carrot at the end of the end of the you know pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for Australian football, but uh, it was in fact the Wolf of Wall Street that uh, Graham Arnold was channeling uh, when it was revealed that he's not effing leaving. It's uh, Graham Arnold for the Socceroos until at least the end of the World Cup qualification campaign, and should he make it through the playoffs, he will take us to Qatar as well. I'm here with Jason Goldsmith. My name is Josh Parrish. Jason, how are you, mate? I'm good, Josh. How are you going? I'm doing well. Um, look, I'm a little bit taken aback by the Arnie news. I, I felt as if there were leaks coming out everywhere during the week, you know, Fairfax, reputable publications suggesting that, you know, the FA was briefing against him and that he was either going to step down or going to be sacked after the Saudi Arabia game. But... Seems like those uh, those reports were incorrect. It was a little bit premature, but yeah, most a lot of uh, journalists with quite a bit of credibility said mm. our mail was wrong that they thought he was actually going to miss out after the Saudi game. And um, yes, yeah, so we went down one nil. We were going to play the kids and um, didn't really really explore the bench to play the kids in that sort of dead rubber, so to speak. But um, yes, Arnie keeps his job for. One, two, or three, or more, five or more games, depending yep. on how we go in the playoffs. It's interesting. I didn't like, like we said last week. Um, we spoke about it. I thought he would stay because who's who's really the next in line? There's no real mm. uh, Aussie option that's going to be in line for the role, and they're not prepared to take a punt on a big name foreigner to try and get him through the playoff situation, which is. I think it's a little bit of a shame, but let's look. We still have hope. Where there's light, there's hope. We've still got a game to go. Yes, that game being against uh, the United Arab Emirates, mm-hmm. which uh, Arnold failed to beat with the Socceroos, the 2019 Asian Cup. We all remember yes. Milos Degenek's back pass going astray and uh, sending crosses into Apo Yanu and Jamie McLaren in the last 15 minutes. Might be a different look, uh, Socceroos, in that in that playoff tie. Yeah. But after that, it will be Peru who are fretting about the amount of local players in their 11. I've seen their local media saying, oh, look at all these foreign leagues that Australia has all these gun players in and, you know, most of our, our team is local players. But, you know, I don't know how much of Australia they've actually watched. If uh, if they've been actually across our national team, I don't think they'd be quite as worried. Yeah, possibly. I mean, when we do, we do have that for us. And then um, if we go get over Peru, it is a bit of deja Peru, isn't it? Because yeah. we get Denmark and France in the group again and Peru, like what happened uh, at Russia in 2018. It is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I thought I was going nuts when I saw the, the names come out of the pot. But it's, it's not something I would wake up in the middle of the night to see the draw. I like to, you know, um, read about it the next day. But And Tunisia, obviously, mm. in there as well. So, um, so it's never going to be an easy draw at any stage. But, uh, yeah, pretty much uh, back to the <laughs> drawing board. So then we could possibly go back to using the same players that we used four years ago as well and work it out from there. 
Well, <laughs> potentially. Maybe Josh Risden will be giving away more penalties. And, uh, we'll <laughs> be bringing Timmy on for the last 20 minutes. Kick it long, put it on their head. Oh, that's, that's Daniel Arzani cameo, anyone? Uh, well, you know, there, there's some similarities because Attilio is coming on and playing that Arzani role at the moment with mm. a bit of a, you know, a bit of a spark as a ball player trying to take the game on. He got minutes again against Saudi Arabia. Um, Stensness played in the back half. Uh, he played as centre back. It was um, central defender. Sorry, he was he was better, I thought, than against Japan. But we had kids sitting on the bench, like Denny John replayed, which is great. Mm. And started, sorry, and Atkinson played the full the full game, but we didn't really um, look to Falami, King, um, Kenny Dougal. D'Agostino played a half, so we did we did do some things to get some minutes into them. But you know, what are we going to do? Do we do we stick to that? Who we played for the playoffs? So we bring back all the all our so called guns that missed out mm. from different breaches. It's interesting. It is. Uh, I, I find the narrative shifting and the goalpost shifting the most interesting part about this. Like Arnold coming out in the post match interview and saying, "Oh, we don't respect Saudi Arabia enough as a football country." With all the the laser disco show going on in the background, <laughs> it's very amusing to me because you think earlier in the qualification campaign, uh, you know, he was telling us it was going to be the best Socceroos team of all time. He's a pol- he's he's a politician, and maybe that's kept his job, and maybe that's why there hasn't been a, you know. So uh, it's been a, no one's gone f- for the role and gone after him, and and he's got it. I think the other thing too, because he was such a well-respected Socceroos player, that the Socceroos in the media are very. Not all of them are his best mate, Robbie Slater, but not all of them are keen to go after him. Um, I, I at the Writers Festival when um there was a panel of ex Socceroos, they all backed him because they just know that, you know, he played for the green and gold and, um, you know, what, what it means to you and all the rest of it. But uh, me personally, not having played for the Socceroos and being a passionate supporter, I think it goes beyond that. We want to get results, we want tactics, mm. we want formations, we want the right players. So The yeah. only Socceroo that generation to really call for his head has been Mark Bosnich and he's been rewarded with a you know, column attacking him from Robbie Slater, which <laughs> I think could have been a phone call. Yeah. The guys like sorted out. Well, well they're not they're not texting each other anymore apparently. Yeah. So that's why it's it's not really working out, which is um which is the next sort of, you know, I guess football lovers tiff we need to mend after after <laughs> Ange and Fozzie after <laughs> Ange and Fozzie had the love I don't fest. think there's gonna be as much goodwill about the Slater Bosnich reunion. <laughs> no, no, but it would be it would be funny. It would be funny to watch. Um yeah there's there's no one mainstream wise calling for a big change where there should be, you know, like he's, he's, he's you know, the, mm. the, but the political stuff he's been sprouting, our goal difference is as good as a win and no one respects Saudi Arabia and we're going great and we've won 11 in a row and we actually won what one of the last seven. And we went from a, like a really, really strong position. Mm. We were miles ahead of Japan to just, just dropping and, and going behind them. And we're actually quite different to, they say, oh, we went through the playoff route with Ange in 2018. But when we did that, we actually only just missed out. It was only like one point or goal difference or something that we finished third in the group as well. It wasn't much mm. in it. So yeah, I need to check it out and have a look again. But anyway, we're still alive. Arnie's the man for one, two, five, hopefully maybe more games. But let's see. Yeah. Um, it, it is hard to muster the enthusiasm especially when you know it's almost going to be an action replay when you get to the tournament of 2018 which I I was interesting to see some of the foreign reaction to the groups being drawn Mm. because I saw a lot of journalists saying oh great the worst World Cup 
you know, group I've ever seen. <laughs> Is that one? Yeah. I think most were remembering the incredibly dour France nil, Denmark nil, almost pre-arranged draw, which was the last group game okay, that a lot right. of journalists yeah, yeah. were already, you know, rostered on to attend because that could have been consequential but ended up not being important. Uh, so that's probably clouding the the perception of it. I, th- I thought Peru added a lot to that group. I thought they were quite fun to watch and their fans brought a lot as well. So Absolutely. I'm and actually then- quite looking forward to the game against them just for, from a, you know, uh, I, I kind of wish we still had the home and away playoff because you'd really get the, the full atmosphere. It would be great for a home and away playoff, but obviously different times it doesn't happen. Yeah, I'd, and then, of course, remember we were live against Peru and uh, – didn't mm. quite work out for us. They uh, played a cracking game. But I think mm. when we get to that stage, our game threes, the last few World Cups, we've become very, very tired because we don't have depth. We have these similar sort of 11s coming through to that third game. So same thing happened, if you remember, in in Brazil when Spain flogged us as well. Um, so, it was yeah, we shall see. Yeah, I mean, you look at Peru's side, their star player is... Uh, Tiziano Crudelli's uh, favourite, Lapa Lapa Dula Dula, mm-hmm. um, which uh, if you ever watched the you know Santo Sam and Ed shows from back in the day, you'd <laughs> recognise that that reference as the old man who uh, gets very excited about AC Milan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, a lot of them, a, a lot of their players do play in the Peruvian local league. So you know you could argue that this time around, Peru don't necessarily quote unquote have the cattle either. They don't, but we're getting ahead of ourselves, Josh. We've got, we've got the UAE first, That's true. Right? The UAE That's true. in the Middle East, right? So it is in Qatar, but it is, you know, it's in similar conditions for them. So you're almost liken it to a home game for them because I'm guessing there won't be big crowds at this playoff. Mm. And the other playoffs are the New Zealand-Costa Rica game there as well, I yep. believe. Yeah, so um, for the other spot, we might have to cross the Tasman and put our support against the Kiwis perhaps into the World Cup. <laughs> The well, looking. New Zealand have had their uh, status as a football nation undermined by Costa Rica promoting the game with, oh, uh, with the All Black. I saw yeah, that. with an All Black. Was it Jonah so. Lomber even? Yeah, interesting. <laughs> no, that's yeah. that's the reputation of the uh, the uh, Antipodes, which is quite unfair, I think, because the, the two World Cups that New Zealand have been at, they actually done quite well. Mm. So I remember twenty ten, yeah. they didn't actually lose the game. Yeah, they, they drew everything. They, they, they took drew on with the Italy. world and drew. They drew yeah. with Italy. Yeah, it was amazing. Bad. Yeah. Um, Mind you, was, um, Smelts was offside by about 40 metres. Yeah, it wouldn't have counted in long VAR. Long time ago, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, um, like that That was also a horrendous Italian Italian team, which, um, you know, so a lot of confluence of factors. But they also had like... That, a, was, it, that was an Italian team at the World Cup, so they yeah. can't be that bad. Yeah, yeah actually, good point. <laughs> so they haven't made the last couple. I hope Nick yeah. is listening on that one. Uh, but yeah, they also had a bank manager in the side at the time, and New Zealand a fair bit better than they were in 2010, I would I would argue, or at least as good. Yes. Um, yeah. Maybe Son's uh, Winston Reid this time around. But um, yeah, Arnie staying on, I think, probably reflects the, uh, the lack of money to terminate his contract I early think, and yeah. bring in a suitable replacement, you know, gun for hire, which I think represents just how strapped for cash FA is these days. Well, they got 25000 for him walking his dog when he breached the COVID <laughs> regulations. So maybe they should have dangled some of that money in front of someone for the, for the playoff game. Are there any other like fines we could level? Has he left his car in the wrong yeah, spot? That's, right. that's not your car. That's JJ's car spot. You know, you can't be parking there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently that that's that was one of the the factors we're like arnie's um when when it was leaked that he may have lost his job was you know he's we're not happy with how he's performing and he's gone and done gone and done this mm. and walked his dog and 
had a swim or whatever he did in the beaches. But um, it's um, a pretty big fine. I mean, leaving Denny Genro out of the team for the whole qualification campaign versus having a swim when you should have been in ISO, yeah, you know, anyway. I, this, <laughs> I'd, I'd have, you know, different reads on it. But uh, I, I am frustrated by, the, I guess, the lack of ambition here, mm-hmm. lack of creativity, the lack of um, making a, a solid bet on the, you know, $20 million or whatever it is that you get for qualifying for the World Cup. But even even... Like you know, his, his solid bet. So we brought in two strikers because we had a lack of strikers. If you recall, mm. um, we were talking about Fornaroli and D'Agostino. So Fornaroli against Saudi Arabia played the first forty-five. He came off at halftime, and D'Agostino played the second mm. forty-five. So to that, to me, he's like, you know, he doesn't know what's going to work. No. Um, and he's saying, well, we've got two strikers. We'll just try and see what happens in in each half. You know. I think that's a good enough segue to to head on to. Uh the striker who maybe should be in the Socceroos team. Maybe he's the answer we've been waiting for, uh, Mr. Jason Cummings, who was in Ballarat on the weekend. He had no idea where he was, <laughs> but he manages to, to score two goals regardless. You know what? That The weather probably suited him uh, in Ballarat, <laughs> being uh, being from playing most of his games, uh, most of his football in Scotland. We, we joked about capping the cum dog at the start, right? Because mm. he's such a big character and a big personality. You know, the combi van, the... The tattoos, the Joker celebration. He's actually a very, very good footballer. He's a very good footballer. Yeah, and it's he gone beyond the meme at this point. You know, it's gone beyond you know him dressed as a wrestler with his nickname scrawled across. Yeah, his, correct. His I mean, torso. and then he's had a few issues. But what what um, what man in the early twenties doesn't right in terms of what's can <laughs> he's twenty six, right? We we got Fornaroli at thirty four who's mm. injured and is actually um, hasn't been the same player since he had his big injury. He's actually injured coming back from the soccer is now. Cummings is 26, so he's a striker, but he actually adds a little bit more than the other strikers we've got in the squad. He brings his teammates into it. He's working so well with Urenia mm. um, for the Mariners. He scored two. He should have had three on uh, Saturday against Western United. He's in form. He actually is. I mean, that second goal that he scored was absolutely fantastic. The give the, and go. It was the give great. and go, yeah. long, you know, almost a long range one two pass and, you know, absolutely busting a gut to get on the end of it. The finish was superb. And obviously, Jamie Young denied him for what would have been the, the hat trick from the yep. penalty spot. So we'll keep him off the spot kicks. But uh, aside from that, I mean, I've been super impressed with how, uh, how quickly he's adapted and how quickly his match fitness has improved. He's got a great work ethic and he brings his teammates into the game, right? Mm. So he, he actually puts the ball into the right spots and then he's... he's and he can hold off defenders. You hold know, off he, defenders. He, there's a couple of uh, touches I've seen from him where he's just taking the ball out from the sky and stopped mm. it dead and you're thinking, this guy's actually class. He's, and, and he's quick too. He's actually... He's got some he's got, toe. He's he got has. a burst anyway yeah. for well, over for 10 metres. For a striker's burst, like it's, mm. it's fine. Like... He's been in form, and if we look at his, his season as a whole, let's say he came in, you know, into a very hot. <laughs> you could playing in Scotland, he's coming into a hot summer to try and learn some tactics, and they sort of brought him into it. And you could see he was lacked a little bit conditioning early. He's found his feet, mm. um, and scoring goals, and he qualifies, and he's played in big games on big stages for big clubs. Yeah, we don't have to wait five years until he's past his peak to naturalise him. He's already eligible. Well, so. Eight years, but yeah, yeah, whatever it is. You know what I mean? So. And he's eligible and he wants to play for us. That's mm. why he came to the A-League. He's the kind of players we want to bring out to the A-League. So mm. I think that the hashtag kept the cum dog, which I know Teo did mm. before the Mariners play tonight, it needs to get more legs. It's not a joke anymore. He's no. actually worthwhile. Yes. it's uh, The joke is 
jumped the shark yeah, and yeah, now it's now, <laughs> now it's, it's the become Joker. <laughs> yeah, the Joker. Uh, I'm I'm on board. You know, I I wasn't sure what to make of him and the reputation coming in. You know, he's played for some big clubs, but also had all those disciplinary issues. Yeah. So maybe we're maybe we're you know. Uh, is a ticking time bomb. We're waiting for the where oversteps the mark and gets his own twenty five thousand dollars fine. Well, you look um, at it. So. Look, clearly, he's 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 no good on the drink. And then if he doesn't drink, then he'd be fine because that's mm. all the issues when he was swinging from the chandeliers and stuff like that <laughs> in the Scottish second division. But that's like celebrating their promotion, mm. and and so it's worth it's worth a go. Like, what are we going to lose? Yeah, we're not going to lose anything from picking him. We've got he's actually got well, he's got um, mm. Australian heritage. And we've got two Scottish guys very similar to him in recent, Marty Boyle and, and Harry Suter. So it's not like we're, we're going against the grain of, oh, we've got to play our homegrown guys. No, I'm mean, like Fran Karicic, you know, didn't speak a word of English before he started getting called up. So He, well, he hasn't been used lately too. He's been, no. He was really impressive when we were actually doing well and they haven't used him since. No. So he's not getting much time it's, in Italy though. It's it's tough. He, he had, I think he had long COVID, uh, Arnold said, and um, he, he started losing minutes at, at Brescia, but he's back now. So um, on to the subject of right backs, uh, which uh, has been a topic of conversation since uh, Jason Gary is assist on, on the weekend. Mm. And uh, Nathaniel Atkinson and Frank Karacic, the probably the two most popular choices at the moment. Yeah. Ryan Grant, of course, favorite of, of Graham Arnold's. Mm-hmm. I was debating, debating this uh, earlier today off air with uh, some of the other FNR crew. Uh, who would you have as your your right back in the Socceroos team at the moment? Because Josh Risden's also been exceptional this season. Uh, very good question. I I was I've been super impressed when Karacic was in mm. form for the Socceroos. Going, he's he's actually got it. He's got some skills. So I, uh, if he got back to fitness, I would have him. I think if uh, Atkinson showed at the A League level last year, and especially in the in the grand final, what he can do. Um, so I would go. Uh, I would I'd say Atkinson because he's getting min- minutes. Mm. Yeah, but no one was, no one's putting Ryan Grant first. I don't think outside, Not of, outside of Arnie. Not at the no. moment. He's uh, I think he's fallen off a bit. I have to say, like he was a force of nature in the A League when he mm. first started getting picked uh, for the Socceroos, and I could totally see the logic because he's just he just had this ridiculous athleticism but I, I just feel he's lost a step lately and you know he said a few things about you know struggling coming back from COVID that might be an issue for him as well maybe he needs the haircut back maybe that was the whole the whole Samson right? yeah <laughs> it might have been um red card for him last week so mm. um I don't think he's going to be the answer for us and like if we're going to go down this playoff route well we just give it we can't just go that the, I don't think we should I'm really worried that we will go over the tried and true formula of what Arnie's actually delivered in the last 10 games. Except not... it's been tried and it's not true. Correct. But he will do that. I don't mm. think he's backing himself all the way through the, F... the FA of backing him and giving him these games. Sure. So they're not going to try anything different. So it'll probably be Ryan Grant, if you would all honesty. Well, with that, I think we'll go to a short break. And uh, on the other side, we've got uh, many international visitors to talk about, some of whom have declined the invitation at the last minute. And we're going to talk about the Sydney Derby and the rest of the Ailey action as well. So stay with us here in the Oz Football Hour on FNR. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Unbelievable kick. 
Well, sometimes we think uh, Australian football is fashionable, but at least we haven't had customs officials coming on the pitch to deport players during a game. That's what uh, Argentina had to put up with earlier in their qualification campaign against Brazil. Uh, But that match, having been abandoned, uh, might be set to take place in Australia, at least according to Fairfax, uh, who have the word that the MCG is the proposed venue for these two teams to play out their final World Cup qualification game. Of course, a formality with both teams already having made the tournament and even been drawn into groups. So it is a dead rubber, but still a theoretically competitive fixture between two of the world's powerhouses of international football. We've been a little sceptical of the uh, international visitors and the uh, the theatre-going public uh, signing up for, for such expensive novelties on this show. But uh, Jason Goldsmith, is this one falling into a different category for you? Uh, I don't think so because it's a dead rubber. It's, it's a glorified friendly for Argentina and Brazil. Mm. So, like, if we're going to get Messi and Neymar right in here, you're going to come out and that's going to... F- Fill the place. It'd be fantastic. But we mentioned off air, Brazil tend to play a lot of their games around the country, um, more of the Harlem Globetrotter style, to try and, you know, to promote them as the, the biggest country or world football country, and they do it very well. I'm not sure I would pay to go to see this. It depends on the, the players they bring out. It's interesting, Brazil being the travelling sideshow, because I've heard Tim Vickery, the esteemed uh, journalist who lives in Brazil, he's English, but he's mm. lived there you know, for decades now, and uh, he feels that the, world, the international team being treated as this travelling circus has actually damaged their own emotional connection to the Brazil fans, and it's also damaged uh, the way... Brazilian players actually feel about playing for the national team. It's not as special anymore uh, when they're basically being told to, you know, put on the international shirt so that they can make the federation another million bucks, uh, which is quite interesting to me. And it puts, you know, Australia in this weird position of, of, you know, is this actually ethically right? Are we taking the Brazilian national team away from their people? Are we signing up, you know, to this in the same way that, you know, a UAE or a Saudi Arabia would quite cynically. Or, but, uh, yeah, that's the interesting one. And I, I would I would say to his point more so that the Brazilian players that naturalise for other countries, and there's so many of them now, that do that. They're not good enough to play for the Brazilian team, but they will play for the countries that they play in. Look, would you see them sending a, a full-strength squad to, to Melbourne? Like and 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 who's who's backing? I wouldn't it? Like, have thought so. I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, the Victorian government has shown a propensity to want these big events, um, but they haven't really wanted to support local football in a way. Um, you know, they they like to tick off these 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 so big have, events. Correct. And, so we got the MCG available for the, these big events, and there's another one we'll talk about as well. But it's not available for the Matildas in the mm. World Cup, right? or um, not used for Australia in the Asian Cup. And there's been really not much drive from uh, the Victorian government to get Socceroos games down here. We had the one Vietnam match, Mm. but that was the first time in a long time that Socceroos have come. Uh, So, you know, there's a a kind of... um, The priorities of the Victorian government for these things is, is kind of skewed. They don't really give two hoots about the state of the sport. It's just about the prestige and the marquee uh, event for, for, the, for the 
decision makers in charge, whereas Sydney and the New South Wales government tend to lobby pretty hard and even pay mm-hmm. for, you know, the Socceroos to come and play, play friendlies there and play international well, it's their, matches. It's almost their home ground without an official home ground in Sydney, yep. which is which is fine. They get they get the support there. That's no problem. What's actually, well, did they? I mean, there wasn't a great crowd for the Japan game. Yeah, as we mentioned, it was terrible weather. Half empty, half full. Uh, um, <laughs> um, depending on your perspective. What's in it for Argentina and Brazil? Mm. What what financially what are the, what's the incentives for them to take this game to Melbourne? Who's paying for it? Is 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 our government paying for it? Is Football Australia paying for it and taking the gate? Like I, I don't I don't get into the nitty gritty of it because that, that makes a difference because this is effectively a dead rubber as part of their World Cup qualifying for South America. Why wouldn't they just play it behind closed doors with a with a B team, you know? So it's it's got to be some form of incentive. I think in terms of who pays for it, there will be Victorian government involved, but there will also be local uh, promoters who are taking the fiscal risk on the fixture by paying the teams to come down here and then taking the taking the game. Are these local promoters AFL teams that just want to get photos of them holding, <laughs> holding a Sheridan or a football jumper? Because we saw that last week too. Yes, Dwight York in town to promote He's the Manchester United, uh, yeah, Melbourne victory game, and and shockingly, Dwight York uh, has. I managed to be tracked down by Collingwood in within seconds of landing in Melbourne, it seemed, and got the photo with the jersey. The funny thing about that photo op, so there's an American that plays for Collingwood, Mason Cox, mm. but actually he grew up as a soccer player. And so that's why yeah. he was a soccer play, a football player. And then um, obviously his height took him to basketball and, and back to AFL. But yeah, so that's the other ones that's coming, Man United. But uh, back to the Argentina-Brazil game very quickly. Look, I... It would be a nice spectacle for some kids to see some good players mm. again, but you can do that in other other options. So I don't think it'll happen because I don't reckon ticket sales will go because you can't see they're going to say, Messi, you got, you must come and play on the MCG. And you say, I've already done that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he has already done it. Yeah. And we, we saw Argentina-Brazil play a friendly uh, mm. not that long ago uh, at the yeah, MCG. Yeah, that wasn't too long and ago. And Brazil played Australia in a friendly as well and pumped us pretty pretty convincingly. Yeah. I think it was five or six nil. So I don't know I'm not sure about those ones. I think the club the club side's a different story. We've spoken about mm. that quite a bit. So um Manchester United and, and Crystal Palace are coming mm. out to play like a three way series with Melbourne Victory. They're supposed to be like games in Perth, I believe, but they haven't announced that as yet. So at the moment it's gonna be Manchester United, Crystal Palace and Melbourne Victory in July. Yeah. I again I've I've spoken about this. I don't love the two neutral teams coming here to play or two international teams to play each other in just um, cash grab. But mm. when there's a local team involved, it increases the appeal for me when it's, you know, not an all-star team, but an A-League side who can actually g- give a decent account of themselves. And, you know, Liverpool versus Melbourne victory at the MCG was great. I'm sure this will be pretty good, even if uh, Manchester United aren't exactly the attraction they once were. Uh, and I'm not hugely excited about seeing you know McTominay and Fred play in midfield. Like that doesn't that doesn't that's, set the pulse racing for me. A, I think a lot of people will come out and see this. They like will come I, and see the name, the brand. They will. I yeah, I you know that this will definitely sell tickets. And if Melbourne Victory is getting something out of it, then I'm I'm in favour of it. I don't know whether I'd pay to go. You know because. United will probably bring a B team, and even then, they're not that great to watch their A team from week to week. They're a source of immense frustration to many of their fans. But having sort of sought out opinion amongst you know my cohort of Manchester United supporting friends who could take or leave the A League, they're all going to go. Yeah, that's this. 
this well, kind of thing, this one-off event is, is easy to sign up for. Absolutely. And if you follow that team, that you will definitely go and watch them regardless of what you want to watch the – you want to watch the jersey run around, mm. which is fine. Um, so yeah, they'll get the the victory and United game will get a full house, mm. no no question, because victory get the support and all the rest of it, and they want to see them play against it. The United versus Palace games a bit of a, you know, what's what's the point of that? Maybe Crystal Palace have to play someone else, you know, mm. not quite in a Sydney Super Cup kind of way, but I, I, like you were saying, against a a club side would make uh, a difference. It's unfortunate that the initial rumours were that it was going to be Man United and Aston Villa uh, and then York and, and Bosnich were both out there to promote it, having played for mm. both clubs. And I have actually got a couple of friends that back for or follow Villa and they were excited. They are almost booking their plane, plane tickets and then it turned out to be Crystal Palace. So. Uh, Villa, Villa have probably a bigger fan base here than mm. Palace. But then again, Mila Yedinak did convert a few people to, to be Palace fans. Yeah, yeah. So. well, then he played for Villa too. So That's true. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, he'd probably more guy. iconic yes. as, a, as a Palace, you know, captain. and Correct. Yeah. Um, you had had his best years at, at Crystal Palace, so I guess there's an Australian connection there to some some extent. So we've got those guys coming to Melbourne, and then um, uh, Rangers have pulled out of the Sydney Super Cup. Yes, so uh, this has been big news in Scotland. Mm. Um, you know, I had our uh, guest uh, Chris McLaughlin messaging me about it, saying, "Can you verify this statement?" You know, this, so it's all the talk o- over there. It, it almost raised, you know, maybe one eyebrow and uh, <laughs> Well, they protested, then when they're throwing tennis balls as part of the protest onto the pitch. Yes, I and I this is... Sim- what was the symbolism of the tennis balls? I don't know. Yeah. Just a way to interrupt the game. Yeah, but I, um, so. uh, I feel as if this is probably vindication for those fans who felt, you know, this fixture should never leave Scotland. And also, you know, those Rangers supporters who didn't want to uh, didn't want their club essentially playing the undercard and the heel to Ange Postecoglou's well, hero they, they were return. And they were actually getting paid less too to actually compete. So the, the funding mm. for them to come out, Rangers were getting less money than Celtic. Um, Celtic would get more of the, more of the home support in terms of mm. Ange and Tommy Rogic and, and the rest of it, not just the ones that support the clubs. And again, they've probably cheapened the fixture in terms of sending it out uh, here as well. So, but there's talk of there might be legal action against Rangers for that because they've they've sold it as the big you know old firm derby mm-hmm. down under. Um, interesting one how that will go. So um, yeah, if they get a replacement team, who are they going to get replace them? Like, how can you replace Rangers? Are you going to get you know Hibs or Hearts or something? Hello, Lockie. We can't. Um, <laughs> no, in terms of in terms of the names for that Sydney Super Cup. There's no one, unless Manchester United hang around and, and jump in and play Celtic, right? And mm. you're only really going to get something iconic like to that. Be, so. To be clear, and I'm, uh, to be frank, and I'm not, I might be in the minority here, I wasn't especially interested in seeing an old firm derby in Australia just for the novelty. No, because you wouldn't get the atmosphere. You, I mean, <laughs> the atmosphere meaning the noise, not the broken glass and the no. stuff like that that we saw on the weekend. But you know what I mean? You get, you get the absolute rivalry and the... And, um, you know, the logistics of playing it at that stadium in Sydney were probably quite difficult from a security point of view if there were going to be lots of fans coming across. So you're just, you're just begging for the Daily Telegraph headline of soccer hooliganism, I think. Yeah, and, correct. And then he's, you know, blowing up over some minor thing. And I, I, I'm more interested to see Celtic come because of the Ange connection and to play against the local team. I think it's a bit sad that he's going to Sydney instead of Melbourne. I know we're biased, but 
Ange is from Melbourne and he coached Victory mm. in Brisbane, so I'd rather see him play against one of Would those be teams. To see Ange Postacoglu being from Melbourne holding a share in a football yeah, yeah. <laughs> AFL jumper as well. <laughs> but, you know, it's the same thing, I guess. Celtic, they'll have pictures of them on Bondi Beach with a surfboard and all the rest of it. It's just the, the way... The way it works. Well, you reckon he's a Carlton fan? He Edge? apparently Probably. is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he is. He would be. Apparently. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> he's up and about. Celtic are on top. So. Yep, and uh, and Carlton on top as well. So uh, he's, he's he's loving it. But uh, yeah, let's talk about the actual on firm game that happened, yep. not the one that's not happening, uh, with uh, Celtic going behind three minutes in. An Aaron Ramsey goal, uh, mm-hmm. but Celtic coming from behind, quickly equalising through our own Tommy Rogic, uh, and then Cameron Carter-Vickers scoring the winner uh, midway through the first half. But uh, Celtic recovered, I think, very well from you know the the blow of conceding so early, which I was concerned about. You know, conceding an early goal at Ibrox, it's not some a position you necessarily want to find yourself no, but in. But the they responded so well. Yeah, and as a, as a Socceroos fan, first and foremost, that's what I am seeing Tommy Rogic play well mm. is actually you sort of go, ah, oh, actually he didn't play in the last two games and he's going to be hopefully available for the playoff and then that makes a different spin on things for us because he has that creativity and uh, the ability to, to do sure. these things. Yeah, <laughs> let's hope so. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, and so what are they, six points clear now? Um, so six points on top, which is a quite... Uh, significant given the way that Celtic started the season with uh, a few a few struggles, a few fumbles. You know, some of those were in European games, of course, but they yep. did drop quite a few points in the league, more so than a Celtic side who's on the charge for a league title usually would. But two wins over Rangers, uh, first at home, the 4-0, and now this away at Ibrox uh, winning 2-1 has, has changed the equation completely. Well, hopefully the narrative will remain historically that what Ange inherited and what he turned around will be there because unfortunately if you mm. look at the Scottish league what is it since 86 that it's Rangers or Celtic every single year yep. since 1986 right so him taking Celtic and then taking them to potentially the title um, if you're looking back in 100 years you'll be going yeah of course he did because that's what they do it's Celtic or mm. Rangers Celtic or Rangers you need to say he came in he didn't have any money to, to buy players he had to choose pick and choose some you know bargain moneyball type players from Japan and didn't have his backroom staff and Celtic were on its knees and everyone was against him and he turned it all around, you know. That narrative hopefully can remain because otherwise... I mean, that Alan Brazil clip is going to live forever. Well, let's hope so. I'm posted... Posta no clue, yeah, Com- yeah, yeah, whatever you called him. But you know what I mean? Like it, the narrative Posta needs to be clue. there. <laughs> it needs to stay. It needs to stay that what he's done. Never mind is- that he played against Ange Postecoglou when he was in Australia. He, he did, anyway. and you can read about his uh, stint at Wollongong Wolves in the in my book. Be <laughs> Seamless my <guest>. plug. <laughs> be my guest. Uh, you know what? So the narrative needs to be what he's done is tremendous, and so yeah, congratulations to them winning another old firm and away from home. It's fantastic. Unbelievable. Well, we'll take a break with that here on the Oz Football Hour and come back with our A-League wrap of the weekend, including the Sydney Derby won 3-2 in dramatic fashion, despite the quadruple sub of uh, Mark Rudan trying to change the game. Sydney FC coming away with the three points in an end-to-end fixture. So we'll be covering that on the other side of the break here on the Oz Football Hour. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! And Diamante again! Oh, he's got it! Unbelievable kick from Maria. Oh, 
Western Sydney weren't the kings of Sydney for long. Sydney FC back with the bragging rights after a Trent Bahaja second half brace secured the points coming from behind in the Sydney derby. Two goals in quick succession. Um, but uh, yeah, Western Sydney Wanderers, uh, they, uh, they tried as they might to change the game with a quadruple substitution, but uh, Mark Rudan's side falling short. I say coming from behind, they in fact were uh, level uh, with Tommy Hemmett. It was Tate Russell who brought the goal back, wasn't it? So, it was, uh, yes. uh, not come from behind, but certainly uh, a fantastic result for Steve Corica's side and sorely needed one with both sides you know, looking in danger of missing the finals. Uh, Sydney FC, well comfortable in the top six after that uh, three points. Still still Wellington, despite losing 6-0 to Melbourne City, uh, are somehow in the picture. But it's looking pretty distant for uh, for Western Sydney based on that performance to get back into the finals race. It was. And, like, I didn't mind it so much. Um, people will talk about crowds and that kind of thing. So this will be the last Sydney derby uh, held... At Cogra, uh, at yeah. Cogra, they'll be into their new stadium uh, next time they play. But the crowd and their active made some noise Saturday night prime time. It was a bit end to end. It was pretty exciting. I mean, um, Lafondra put him up early. Uh, Sydney FC that is in the second minute. Uh, lucky that they did come back. But then, yeah, Trent Bahaja, the much maligned Trent Bahaja, with a couple of goals there. Um, it got really close too. Like three two, Wanderers were a big mm. chance to equalise. Tate Russell came on. You mentioned the quadruple subs. So Redan in the seventy something minute made four changes. Mm. Tate Russell was one of them. He scored two minutes later. Ryan Grant was set off late in the game. Um, there was a handball appeal also in sort of the eighty sixth, eighty seventh minute. So the Wanderers still gave it a red hot crack. I just um, I didn't have the class in the end to, to take on Sydney FC. I, I'm confused a little bit about some of Rudan's decisions. He keeps benching Ugarkovic, which makes mm. no sense to me. I think he's one of the better midfielders in the league, even if he's having you know a down season, as are the Wanderers as a whole. Uh, but I I just don't understand James Troisi being the linchpin of this side. I thought that was going to change with Rudan coming in, you know, but... Troisi's got the armband. He's the captain. He's got a lot of faith in him, clearly. It's crazy to me, like, cause, just because the guy does no defensive work. Like, it, it just, <laughs> no. it really it really annoys me, and it annoyed me at victory as well. Mm. Just the fact that he would to- be a total passenger when the other team had the ball, unless it came within two metres of him, and then he'd suddenly, you know, try and win it. And yeah, you see, uh, one of the Sydney goals, I think it might even be the first goal, um, he he just stands there and doesn't close down the centre back coming out from defence. Doesn't doesn't make mm. any move towards them. Just stands and watches and the move builds and they score. And yes, you can't blame it all on James Troisi because there are other defensive errors that have to take place. But it's sort of ca- cascade effect when your first line is not really interested. Yeah, I agree with, with all of that. And the, the funny thing about it is that the the commentary team on Saturday night when they were covering the game were looking at the Wanderers bench going, oh, this is going to be exciting to see what's coming on from the bench, right? So you look, Zicky Gordon, uh, Jack Rodwell, Garkovic, Bernie Abini and Tate Russell, right? So, and four of them, four of them came on in, in one hit. <laughs> Zicky Gordon didn't get a run. Uh, his time in the A-League might be might be coming to an end, I, I might have thought. But um, you know what I mean? They, they were excited about who was on the bench. Like, why aren't we starting these guys? Uh, 
I mean, you go through. I think Ugarkovic has to start. Yeah. Uh, Rodwell, I could take or leave based on his performances. Future soccer route. No yeah. Service. You know, maybe if you ask Daniel Garb, potentially. Yeah. Um, Ziggy Gordon, I think his his effectiveness has waned simply because they're not playing a back three mm. anymore. Yeah. And he was serviceable on the right side of a back three, but he can't really operate as a centre back in a four, and he can't really play as the you know right back getting up the flank anymore. So yep. he's. His role has kind of disappeared in this team. Um, you know, he was decent for a while in that in that you know very unique position where it was sort of half and half, you know, right back and centre back. But they don't play that way anymore, so therefore, no more no more Ziggy Gordon. Um, Mahias getting supplanted in the team by Margush is just such a clear indication of where the recruitment failed under Robinson. They you know brought in and filled a visa spot with this goalkeeper that's not even the starting one when Magush was absolutely fine and even quite one of the better players last year uh but Abini for me has been one of the biggest disappointments of the entire season you know his career is just adrift i i don't even see him as necessarily an A-League caliber player anymore, even though he's got the name. Well, when Redan, well, he's got the keys now, doesn't he? So what what he does with the team in the offseason is quite interesting because if you look at some of the players mm. uh, and the age level and the rest of it, so you're looking at, you know, Dimi Petratos, um, Terry Antonis, Adama Traore, um, you know what I mean? Then plus you've got Bernie Abini and these guys, Ziggy Gordon, that have been mm. two or three clubs that are sort of pushing late 20s, early 30s that they're probably not going to be their answer um, for them moving forward. That's anchored to second last on the ladder. Um, in saying that, they did take it up to Sydney FC. I think Sydney FC also similar sort of um, profile in terms of their their players sure. as well coming to, coming to that sort of stage of their careers. So, look, a Sydney derby is always worth watching. Uh, and that that was pretty uh, pretty interesting. The Melbourne derby coming up this week as well, but you wouldn't wouldn't really know it in terms of promotion of some of these games coming up in the A League because um, to fill out the fixture before the season finishes, we got games Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights. Um, there's a lot of football coming up in the A Leagues uh, in the next few weeks. There certainly is uh, packed packed schedule. We can't even really take a break for for Easter as a result because just don't have time. Uh, we're just racing through and trying to finish the season in a in a big hurry. Uh, to look at some of the other games, Adelaide United nil, Melbourne victory one was the other Saturday night marquee fixture. Marco Rojas scoring the winner after seven minutes. Uh, very nice bit of play, but it was most of what victory mustered in the game. They only had four shots. Mm. Uh, there was a couple of moves that were ruled offside subsequently, including a victory goal. Um, but, you know, they don't count on the stat sheet. And uh, it was a lovely move. Marjota finding Garia for the cutback and Rojas, nice to see him with a bit of decisiveness in front of goal. He's he kicked had, a few goals lately. He had, He's scored, hasn't he? He so. has. Uh, I, I was really criticising him for his tentativeness and, and failure to shoot a lot of the time. But so maybe he actually scored one f- that was later ruled out for an earlier offside yep. as well. So he's showing a bit more confidence in front of goal, which is good to see. His 17th stint at the club. It's great. <laughs> so it's kidding. His third stint. Yeah. Um, He's the yo-yo player. He is. Boomerang. He always comes back. He does. He, he must like it here. Um, the Melbourne teams are occupying three of the top four teams at the moment, especially looking at um, at Victory's game against Adelaide. They've got a lot of games in hand from the, the top two teams that they'll actually push for a, to get a lot higher up the ladder uh, and in a bit of form. So Popper's doing the job there. Yeah, I think I think you have to credit Tony Popovich. Um, victory held on in this game through barrage of late pressure from from Adelaide, but they didn't create anything 
particularly clear cut, aside from when Lachlan Brook hit the post. Mm. I thought uh, Victory's <laughs> goalkeeper was... Uh, have we seen he's been pretty unreliable this season, but he was miles away from, from that shot, uh, even at his near post, completely wrong footed, two metres away, and he just watched on helplessly as it, it rebounded off the post. So a bit lucky there, but you know, Adelaide for me... A little bit underwhelming. They've had these late rallies and and pinched a lot of points in the last few minutes of games, um, but I don't I don't really see them as uh, as a title contender, even if they were up there earlier in the no, year. No, they're kind of mid table, and I think that's where they sit, where they're going to produce like most of their a lot. Well, a lot of their wins have been last minute, sort of equalising goals to steal points at different stages. Um, it's always a good game um, in they terms had, of they didn't have two available centre backs in this game, so that's that's f- like fair. Uh, you know, excuse for um, not getting the result because it was just uh, George Timotheo and mm-hmm. I think it was was it Isaias or one day playing at, at centre back. They were, you know, it was one of the Spanish central midfielders who had to slot in. So you know, they were a little bit shorthanded, I, I suppose. It's it's always good entertainment though in Adelaide. Uh, the original rivalry between these two, although um, some victory fans uh, didn't uh, cover themselves in glory. If no. we want to have a very quick chat about that, um, yeah, yeah, it's. Look, Josh Cavello has, you know, the first openly gay footballer really to come to come out in in the world, and and he's copping some really unnecessary abuse from the fans. And I think uh, it's victory again for the second time, and they just they're doing their best to address it. They need to come out and, and stamp it out and do something about that straight away. Uh, again, my take is sort of the same as when it happened last time. Is where is the active support leadership on this? Um, and they've refused to politicise the issue. But I don't think it's a political issue. It's just like well, it's an it's the thing is it's an away game, right? So it's, mm. they would be able to actually they have a whole bay of the mm. away fans in Adelaide. They know who's travelled across there. They would be able to be pinpoint who the people are. Right? Mm. It's not that hard. It needs to stop it. I mean, it's it's ridiculous to me because there are about a dozen, maybe two dozen troublemakers of victory games. Mm. And it's a headache for the club because, you know, they're very passionate or whatever. They they bring the noise anyway, whether that's for the glory of the club or, you know, self-gratification and self, uh, you know, uh, putting themselves over. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, they, they have this issue. You know, there's always nerviness when the MPL team travels because they have to organise different security arrangements depending on, you know, what kind of support the um, the other clubs they're facing have. But um, those are the sorts of fans who are committed enough to make it to those games, but they're also the same group who – or there's a subset of that group who cause trouble. And we saw that with the brawl at Lakeside a few years ago. We saw it with the issue at, uh, at St Albans uh, Dynamo as well. Uh, so, I, look, they've they've got an issue, Victory. It's the same group who turned up to the women's Melbourne derby and threw bottles bottle, yeah. at Tegan Micah. It's mm. the same people happening every single time. And I have no doubt that it's the same. It's that same subset who are the ones booing Josh Carvalho, whether it's genuine homophobia or whether it's you know it started as as that and now it's like to make some sort of sarcastic point about the media or something like i've seen a few things online about that the effect is the same you're still demonizing someone for being gay and it 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 really infuriates me and i I just wish the club would just ban those people from attending games be it npl or a league absolutely because they know who they are of course they can work out who they are i mean that's the thing this is happening at an uh, the thing that's happening at the like you could see the first time it happened was in amy park but this is at an away game right Mm. you can actually know who's wearing navy blue and you can work out who's doing it so anyway um 
Um, I know Josh's got the support of a lot of people, so um, including some victory fans who were there, by the way. Yeah. And credit to those people who took to social media to call it out. You know, that's what you need. You need to be proactive about it and draw attention to it, even if it doesn't look good for your club. So I, I like that. Yeah, that is also an excellent comment. And so let's hope the next time these two clubs play, we're talking about um, what's happening on the pitch. I would think. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, it's just I just hate that we have to talk about this again, again because we made such progress this season, having the the pride round in Adelaide, yep. and um, you know Josh has been such a trailblazer on this front, got such international recognition for mm-hmm. the competition as well. To to sour it like this is uh, is really disgusting. But hopefully, we don't have to talk about it again. Hopefully, the club will take some more more decisive action this time because you know once you know you can. Put it down to a lot of things, but when it's a repeated pattern, uh, there's no real place to hide from it. Uh, MacArthur 4, Perth Glory 2. Perth Glory taking a 2-0 lead. The youngsters, Osler and and Coley. Coley scoring a free kick after a minute, the quickest goal in the A-League all season, but they ended up capitulating and losing 4-2. Yeah, quite the free kick too, wasn't it? It was amazing, actually. Absolute belter of a free kick. And um, in in terms of um, the kids at Perth Glory, there's some good news coming out of there at the moment as well that Josh Rawlins might be heading to Holland. Um, And he's only 18 years old, which would be a very good move for him. And he's been playing since he was 16 in the first team. One of the few players in the A-League to have started that young. And uh, he was featured in one of the the Guardian articles, you know, uh, the best young players around the world or whatever, because he's he's broken through so young. And I agree with that. I think having, you know... uh, 50 to 100 games under his belt professionally by the time he turns 20 is going to stand him in good stead. That's the model we want. We keep talking about it. We want these mm. young kids to make it into the A-League, do two, three years, and then move on. We want the, the Denny John Rowe, the Connor Metcalf now, hopefully the Josh Rawlins model to continue. Um, the 4-2 win to MacArthur, um, Toure and Najar with the last two goals with a bit of uh, some, also some good highlights there towards the end. So, again... Amazing pass from Davila to to find Al Hassan Toure, and so good to see him scoring again because he has a, had a really really long drought. Yeah, he did, um, and he and then he provided the assist second one to Najar as well. So mm. some great highlights again. We want to see these creative kids playing in the in the comp. Fantastic. Not great for Perth that those last two goals went in when Macarthur had ten men on the pitch. That's yeah. that's pretty no, inexcusable. No. Well, yeah, with the red card, you'd think they would. They but would they've already on. sacked the coach, so they can't really do anything else. <laughs> they've sacked the coach. The new coach is playing the kids. Yeah. So what do you want? They're not going. They're, they're last on the ladder. Well, not according to there. the Paramount Plus graphic, who said Richard Garcia was still in charge. They had some <laughs> they of them have updated that as well. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they really struggled. Really struggled. Anyway, not not my biggest uh, Paramount Plus gripe from the weekend. Shall we? Shall we go there? What do you want to do? Go mini matches. Come on. It's got to be better than that. It's got to be better than chucking the whole six-minute intro to the game and the entire walkout spiel on the front of an existing pilots package and calling it a day. Like that, but, the mini match is supposed to be there so that people get a bit of an insight into what actually happened beyond the highlights and the goals that are already there. So there's no point watching them if you're just going to put like just slap it together in such a lazy fashion. I watched one earlier in the year and there was a moment's silence and I'm not sure what the si- – they had that in the highlight package, the 25-minute match, right? It doesn't um, speak well for the league when the look, minute silence is – We want to give, give respect where yeah. respect's due, but that's not the highlight of the game. That's just showing respect. That should be a normal part of the process. They spend a lot of the preamble of this 25 minutes. These are the lineup. This is the team. You mm. know, they, they play the song, all the rest of it, you know, like you're watching a normal game. My kids know that 
this song. Off by Look, heart. Now. Absolutely. Looking Do they good. like it or yeah, is it yeah, just yeah. Stockholm syndrome repeating? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're looking nice. We don't, <laughs> don't need to tell you twice, Josh. Um, oh god, that's yeah. not going to get out of my head for a while. I know. So it's fine, but yeah, they can. Yeah, they need to get that right. I mean, that's that's how you package it because mm. people aren't can't, can't invest the ninety minutes. You and I can't invest the ninety minutes of like eight or nine games. Of a round, right? Not when the fixture is this dense. Right. When they've got four games in a row on a Saturday and then one on a Sunday or whatever, they, fi- they mix it all up. You-, you can't turn away the people that are watching it and the fans. And if they want to watch a mini-match, mm. you've got to give them the best possible product. So they're sharing with people and it goes again. Anyway. So it's my understanding, and write in if I'm wrong about this, but it's my understanding that Keep Up are the ones cutting the highlight packages. Um, so it's not Paramount Plus's fault per se. Uh, but they're not certainly not taking responsibility for the product there, and often they miss things, even in the mini matches. Uh, I remember they missed a goal in the victory Newcastle game a little while ago yes. here when Valentina yep. Yule scored uh, the ghost goal, That's and right. uh, and then uh, Ryan Grant's red card didn't even make it into the Sydney derby, nor did the penalty shout uh, for James, James Donnelly yeah. handball. No, so I said that. I remember the Yule one because maybe I, it was a Sydney fan cutting the highlights. I'm not sure, but, but <laughs> I remember the Yule one because I looked at the looked this saw that he scored, and so I watched the the three minute highlight. I was mm. watching the 25 minute. Mini yeah. match, it wasn't on. Then I watched the three minutes. It wasn't in the three minute highlights no. either. It missed a goal. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's pretty basic. And well, you got to get a red card in there if that happens. Well, hopefully it changes. We are we're talking about the teething problems of mm. uh, the new broadcaster and the rest of it. We'll see how that um, that goes. There, it's funny because the very thing that makes it so necessary is also what makes them so hard to turn around. You've got so many games that so people can't watch the full games all yeah. the time. So we really need the mini matches right now. And also that creates a much greater workload. But I, I do think the whole keep up thing has been, from what I've heard, set up with too many, too many, too many cooks and not enough sous chefs, if yeah. you will. There's yeah. not enough grunt workers who can get the job done and put out the replay on the final whistle, put out the mini matches the next if, day if there's a and position, have everything in if it. If there's a position description, I'm sure, Josh, you and I could fill it quite easily. We can do that on the side. <laughs> yeah, no exactly. Yeah. No worries. Like, uh, we're available, guys. <laughs> I know how to use Premiere Pro, so <laughs> I should, that should do it, right? There we go. Josh has got a new role. <laughs> Season 2022-23. Oh, okay. oh, joy. Cutting, cutting <laughs> then I come matches. in every week and I say, Josh, you missed this, you missed this, you missed this. Oh, no. good. You can admonish Fighting me on air nothing. instead of just no. complaining to, you know, old men yell at clouds. But uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll tie it off here. Thank you all for, uh, for tuning in to the Oz Football Hour here on FNR. We'll be back next week. No radio dub tonight with the conclusion of the A-League Women. We've given Pakua a well-deserved night off. We're going to be back with that show very soon, talking Matildas and also uh, MPLW around the country and WSL as well. She's a big fan of the the women's football over in the UK, so I'm going to learn a thing or two about the WSL in a few weeks. Uh, That might be the the next league that I... uh, have to start watching. Do they do mini matches? Yeah, I'm not sure. We don't cover enough. Josh. You need to cover a few <laughs> yeah, more. Yeah, I need to watch more football. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to have uh, Radio Dub start up again uh, next week with a bit of a, a shift in focus with uh, with the season ending. And then tomorrow we've got the Green Room uh, West United Club show on FNR. Uh, no EPL show on Wednesday because we did that yesterday. So you can find that on the uh, on the podcast platforms. Uh, myself and, and Oscar Rutherford talking all things English football. And then on Thursday we've got the Lions Den live from BT Connor Reserve. So that's the week on FNR. We'll speak to you again next time. Victory looking to build. Barbaroussis is quick. Is he in behind Topo Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbaroussis! Wow! Yeah! Up like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Diamante 
unbelievable kick. Come on, here.